We're working our way through the book of Romans. And we're doing it Sunday nights. We're trying to get everything in in about 60 minutes. The letter that changed the world. Tonight, an interesting, I think, a controversial topic, at least in theological circles, the key role of human faith in the sovereign plan of God. The key role of human faith in the sovereign plan of God. We're at Romans 11:17. We've been going verse by verse for uh, 30 weeks. Romans 11:17 to 24. But if some of the branches were broken off, speaking of the Jewish people, and you, the Gentiles, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches, those first branches that he mentioned, the Jewish ethnic Jews. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. The root is not Jewishness. He's just identified the Jews as the branches, not the root, in the sentence previous. We'll talk about the root in just a minute. If you become arrogant, if you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you, 19. Then you will say branches, that's ethnic Jews, Branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true, Paul says. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So he's contrasting the unbelief that caused the Jewish branches to be broken off and the faith that caused the Gentile branches to be grafted in. That's what he's doing there. It's a tricky passage. So do not... Gentiles, do not become proud, but stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, who are the natural branches? Ethnic Jews. If God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you if you don't continue in faith. Note then the kindness. There's two sides here. Note the kindness and the severity of God. Severity to those who have fallen because of their unbelief but kindness to you, the Gentiles, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, ethnic Jews, if they do not continue in their unbelief, that was their problem, they will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. That's a beautiful sentence. For if you are cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, that's the Jews, be grafted back into their own olive tree? So we're picking up from last week. And we started to unfold Paul's, it's really his involved image of the olive tree. The root of the olive tree Two types of branches nourished by the root system of one olive tree. The root of the olive tree isn't ethnic Judaism. All sorts of people think that's the case. I hear it all the time. It's not, it can't be the case because Paul calls ethnic Jews branches. You can't be a branch and a root both. Those are two different things. So it's not ethnic Judaism. The root of the entire tree 
that nourishes all the branches, Jew and Gentile, is a single root. And the root is the faith. The faith exhibited by Abraham when he took God at his word before he was circumcised, before he was a Jew. Abraham, his faith in God, that's the root of the whole system. If there's one sentence that gets repeated over and over in the Bible, both Old Testament and New, it's this one. Abraham believed God, faith, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, all the Jews had to do was, if they wanted to continue in that olive tree, was to continue in their natural father, Abraham's faith. It's in this sense that they're the natural branches of the olive tree. They had nothing else to do. Their own national father had laid down the pattern of faith. Gentiles, on the other hand, they had no such father in their history. They had no natural relationship to the patriarchs like the Jews. They had to come and share in Abraham's faith externally as from the outside, believing the gospel. So this is the sense in which Jesus can say, John 4, 22, salvation is of the Jews. But he doesn't mean because of Jewishness. He means because of the faith of Abraham, trusting in God. It was never the case that ethnic Jewishness saved anyone. It was always through the root of that olive tree, the faith of Abraham and the promise of God, that God made his saving entry point into human History. It was a Jewish entry point. Jesus was Jewish. But Paul tells us that, at least on the outside surface of things, something's gone terribly wrong. The Jews didn't continue to receive the life-giving power of the natural root system because they abandoned their faith, the faith of Abraham, their father. So it's this picture. Last week we looked at uh, the picture of the, 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 the lump of dough, 11.16. And then the additional picture of this tree and these two kinds of branches. That's where Paul kind of devotes his attention tonight. Point number one. It's vitally important that Gentiles understand what has happened to the Jewish people and why. It's in 17 and 18. If some of the branches were broken off... And you, Gentiles, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. Don't be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember that it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. And so Paul, as he introduces this new uh, image of the natural branches broken off, he knows it can lead to a terrible misunderstanding among Gentile people who have responded to God's saving grace and been engrafted into the root of Abraham's faith. Paul doesn't want the Gentiles interpreting God's favor to them as a ground for boasting, like there's something special, or ill will toward ethnic Jews who have been judged for their unbelief. Don't be arrogant toward the branches, 1118. It would be sadly misinterpreting events to think that God had somehow come to love the Gentiles more than the Jews. It would be terrible for Gentile people to think they had earned some status of moral superiority. Paul won't let them do it, 1118. The idea 
of the Gentiles being supported by the same root as faithful Israel. It needs some explanation. I said the supporting root isn't ethnic Jewishness. If it were, then none of the original Jewish branches would have been broken off because they are Jewish. Clearly that's not enough. Ethnic Jewishness can't be undone, but these branches have been broken off. So something else went wrong. Paul talks about the living faith of Abraham and how it nourishes. In Galatians 3, 7 to 9, know then that it is the faith of, it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing, this is the Old Testament promise, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel Get that. Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That's the same thing that Paul's saying in our text from Romans 11. Point number two, a warning to the Gentiles to continue in humble faith. I get that in 19 to 22 of our text. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That's true, Paul says. They, they were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So, so don't become proud. It's not like you're accomplishing something. It's not works. But stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. There is no grace to be received from God outside of faith, Jew or Gentile. There's no standing before God. There's no missing the severity of God apart from faith, faith in Jesus Christ. Note 22, note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. Paul's main concern, I think, it seems to be just the dismantling of whether Jew or Gentile. What Paul is doing is he's dismantling any sense of entitlement with God. After all, that's, that's the very reason, the very first reason that unbelieving Jews were broken off. The branches broken off. Remember, they began to lecture Jesus. Where he'd say, don't, don't you come talking to us about needing repentance. We're Abraham's. We're Abraham's descendants. We're Jews. And they felt entitled to an audience with God, a standing with God Almighty. Paul says, God snapped branches off the tree. And he says, so stand in awe, both Jew and Gentile, that you don't bring anything to the table here. That's us. Point number three. The condition of abiding in the root of the tree is faith and faith alone. I get that in 20 to 24. They, the Jews, they were broken off because of their unbelief. But you, Gentiles, stand fast through faith. Same condition, belief. Don't become proud, stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. There's, there's a, a, a mythical idea about God. He's good and loving and he'll just spare everybody because he's nice. 
And Paul says, you, you need to think about the severity of God. He says it about four times in this passage. 22, note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen because of their unbelief. Kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Does God cut people off? It seems if you're going to take the Bible seriously at all, that, that Paul says so. 23, and even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, here's the kindness again, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in. The summary statement is right up front in verse 20. They were broken off because of their unbelief. You stand fast through faith. So don't become proud, but stand in awe. Why were they broken off? Well, they were broken off because of their own unbelief. Why can Gentiles share in the life of the root? Well, only through faith. Trust in God. The same condition. Neither the breaking off nor the grafting in is the result of just blind election. In fact, if words mean anything at all, Paul piles up this, this uh, conditional phrasing all through this summary passage. Notice it in, just take 22 and 23 of chapter 11. Note the conditional language. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, and I would underline, provided you continue, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, another conditional word, you'll be cut off. And even they, if, another conditional word, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in. Yeah, God has power to graft them in. But their being grafted in isn't just predicated on God's blind sovereign power. It's predicated on whether they will continue in their unbelief. 11.23. Faith. Point number four. If abiding faith is essential for abiding life, how is faith sustained and nourished? Chapter 11, 20, 21, and 22. They were broken off because of their unbelief. You stand fast through faith. So faith's the condition. So do not become proud, but stand in awe. There's a command. Okay, there's two commands here. Only two. Do not become proud, but stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Here's the second command. Note, then, the kindness and severity of God. Two commands. The first is, don't become proud, but stand in awe, 20. Second command, note then the kindness and severity of God. And, and since everything seems to hinge, Jew or Gentile, on continuing in belief rather than unbelief, if faith is the important condition, these two commandments tell us, how, how do we stay in faith? How do we grow in our faith? What I am to consider, what I'm to think about if I grow in faith, Paul says, note the kindness and the severity of God. 22. Note the kindness and the severity of God. Those are the subjects I have to think about if I want to. He says, stand in awe of God. The order can't be all that important. Kindness, severity, because Paul reverses them in the same verse. So the order isn't the big thing. 
His point is, I can't fully appreciate his kindness if I just study his kindness by itself. You don't see God's love just talking about God's love unless you talk about the, 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 the wretchedness, the brokenness of the human condition, the wickedness of sin, and the lengths to which God goes to overcome it. That's when you start to see the love of God. If you just talk about love, you'll never understand God's love. When you start talking about it as a holy, redeeming love, then you magnify his grace. It's amazing because, because we don't deserve it. So he says, if you want to abide in faith, stand in awe of God. And if you want to do that, think about his kindness and think about his severity and never separate the two. If I just study his kindness alone, I can't fully appreciate his kindness. His kindness is magnified when it's said in the context of his severity. And his severity helps me not to take his kindness for granted. His severity keeps me from turning his kindness into just license and tolerance for sin. If you don't see the importance of that, you're missing something wildly beautiful. Consider the way in this very passage Paul directs us, his Gentile readers, the ones already enjoying and standing in rapturous grace, the way he says, stop and study God's severity in breaking off the unbelieving Jewish branches. Why does he want us thinking about that? Because Paul knows people can't stand in awe of God without grasping both the kindness and the severity of God. People may enjoy a dotting old Santa. Nobody that I know of stands in awe of Santa. Point number five. Through the power and beauty of Christ, God is able to open the hardened hearts of unbelieving Jews to his grace once again. We're almost done now. Look at 23 and 24 of our text. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? This is, this is something... We should all be able to understand. If God has already performed the greater miracle of grafting wild branches, Gentile branches, then he can certainly engraft again the natural branches, the Jewish branches, provided they don't continue in unbelief. Paul talks about this process in one other place. This is my last text. In 2 Corinthians 3, 12 to 18, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, since we have such a hope, he says, we are, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his faith so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. That's that whole old covenant system being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. 
Now listen, Paul says, for to this day, that's when Paul writes, and it's as you read it, to this day, to right now. When they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. If you talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you don't talk about Abraham's faith and God's promise to reach them through faith and the Gentiles, the nations through faith, if you miss that, he says, then whenever you read the old covenant, you've got a blinder on. You're not seeing the purpose of it. To this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But, but when one turns to the Lord, that's Jesus, the veil is removed. He means, oh, that's what Abraham was looking forward to. That's what the prophets were looking forward to. That's what the old covenant was pointing to. That's what the Jews missed. And that's what we can't miss. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. It's not just freedom like dancing in the aisles. It's freedom from the bondage of self, the curse of sin, and religious routines that can never bring God's grace into our heart and lives. And we all, 18, we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The veil of unbelief is only taken away through Christ. Let's pray that that redeeming work stand out so clearly that we see we see the damage, the danger of simply rejecting Christ, the danger of unbelief in spite of all the advantages and the wildness of God's grace in reaching the most undeserving as they put their trust in Christ. Stand with me.